The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Welcome to Onsite, an informative, easygoing podcast series about the trade industry, brought to you by Trade Jobs NZ and the Spinoff Podcast Network. I'm Jay Reeve, and along with my co-host Brooke Sparky or Thompson, we'll take a good hard look at the ups, downs, and opportunities of a life on the tools. Subscribe now via your preferred podcast provider, and if you're ready for a career in the trades, visit tradejobsnz.co.nz. Here we are, episode four. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about the challenges of getting young people into our trades. We're joined by a formidable human here in the studio, Tūnoli Atia, who is the Relationship Manager at the Māori and Pacifica Trades Training Consortium and Student Experience Partner at Unitech School of Trades and Services. Welcome, Morina. Yeah, kia ora, tālo falava. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to our time together and hopefully be able to share some light on yeah, a fantastic area of uh, of industry that I think people are really should be interested in. Now, obviously, uh, a lot of people would know you from the paddock, uh, where you were smashing people to bits for either counties, Auckland, Harbour, uh, as well as Manu Samoa. But when did you pick up the tools? Because, uh, I mean, uh, and that being said, there are a lot of people that move from footy, uh, professional footy, into uh, into trades. The only time I pick up the tools is when my wife tells me to. <laughs> so I don't think there's going to be a lot of picking up of tools. I, I'm not a tradie. I'm not an academic. I'm definitely not a lecturer. I'm just someone that loves people and has worked a lived life. So if you can understand if you have any degrees, my degrees is in lived experience. So I've been working ever since I left uh, high school and my dad threw me straight into the workplace. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing this all my life. So what I do love is that I've been able to transition the skills that I've learned through my life, especially through rugby, into this amazing mahi that I have now, which is the student experience partner. Uh, So how did this job all come about, and what does this job look like? Mate, this job came about because uh, someone, it's it's not what you know, it's who you know, and so sometimes you just get tapped on the shoulder. So initially I was working for Sport Waitakere. I love Sport Waitakere. I've worked there as CEO, I've worked there as uh, events manager, so Changing to something else was was really was really new and it was really exciting. So they said, "Come and mentor these young people and create a pathway so that they can actually, you know, move into into a career." And I said, "What does that mean?" And so they said, "Yeah, this is how it means." I thought, "Wow, this is great!" So I went in there, and then from the work that I was doing with this organisation called Oceana Careers Academy, I went and worked as a subcontract within Unitech, doing this work as a mentor. And so trying to understand the pathway of these students uh, really got me thinking about these guys really need a lot more help than what 
I think we, we understand it to be. So after three years there, Unitech goes, mate, this guy's doing pretty good. I think we should employ him. So they came and asked me if I want to get employed by Unitech. And two years later, here I am now as the uh, student experience partner and looking after all of the pastoral and pedagogical care for all students and trades, not just Māori and Pacific. Was there a pathway in the beginning or have you just been out there hacking one for all of them? Well, I think that's the beauty of, of trades is that you don't have to have a specific pathway. You can you can start off as as, as a cleaner. You can start off as, a, as someone that works uh, as a chef. And I've seen that time and time again of people coming in to Unitech looking for these opportunities that we offer. And they are so far removed from where they should be. So I think the whole thing of retraining and moving into a, a new career, now that it's opened up, for so many people with the uh, uh, fees free, but mm. also the Māori and Pacific Trades Training Scholarship, they've now given a lifeline that they never thought they would possibly get. So you will get people from all walks of life, mums included, moving into the trades. Uh, Whare Tapafar is the, the Māori educational system, I guess, or, or framework in which basically everything is now being tipped into, whether it be mental health. Is it similar within the, within the, uh, the trade industries as well? It makes sense for young Māori and Pacific to go into it because uh, they've been building their whole lives generationally. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, for, for, for us to succeed with Māori and Pacific, we have to understand the journey that they're on and we under, have to understand who they are as people. Because for me, when I look at our students and I interview every single one of them for the scholarship. So that's about 150 a year. And I need to see them face to face. I have to know what's in their heart. And I have to know where they where they're from and, and, and what they're about because that's the only way you can actually understand the journey that they're about to go on. You can also see all of the the, the obstacles and, and and maybe the things that they're going to struggle with because you hear that. And so for me, it's really understanding them spiritually. It's understanding them personally. It's understanding them obviously physically as well, but also um, just what how did they get to be in the space that I'm in, sitting in front of them. And they tell you pretty much everything if you ask the right questions. And that's what I love about my job. For you to tie together, I guess, the experience that you had in footy uh, and, and now in the in the trades, how many people, contemporaries, have you seen? Because I remember Chris Jack, is, I'm a big fan of Chris Jack. He's now in the trades. Uh, Reddish, is, Reddish is in the trades. Jimmy Cowan's a builder in Queenstown. You might have even run into him Brook on site somewhere, yelling, <laughs> throwing hammers, being a larrikin. Uh, do, you, do you notice that a large number of people, once they finish up their pro- a professional career in footy, that they come and tap you on the shoulder? Pretty hard shoulders to miss. They're rather large. Uh, they've met a few bodies in their time. Uh, and say, you know, can you provide a pathway for me? Yep. Definitely. A lot of them. I mean, a lot of them realize that, um, you know, because there's this connection, you know, obviously it's camaraderie that happens and everyone knows who's in. And again, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So I'll get a few phone calls for some of the guys. And the last person that I was speaking to was uh, Charles Rockleman. Yeah. And so he says, look, I've been a rugby player all my life and he now wants to sort of become more of a, a builder. Yeah. And obviously in regards to the roofing, he does a bit of roofing, but he wants to qualify himself. So he's now you know, trying to work down that, that pathway. There's other league players that I know of also that have come to me and says, look, mate, this is great. Can I do that? So I've spoken with New Zealand Rugby League. I've spoken with uh, back in the days of the Warriors and even Auckland Rugby. How do we, you know, create this, this connection so that we can keep that pathway going for those that have finished? So it's great. It's a win-win, really. Is it nice to be able to get those people? Uh, Charlie is an example, big man, and uh, he's he's been on a he's been on an awesome journey. Great to see him back on the paddock, uh, getting back together with the lads and, and training again. Uh, but then I guess tapping you on the shoulder. He spent quite a bit of time back in the islands uh, to only return to New Zealand and and uh, and have a crack at it. To be able to bring him in front of the students and say it's just never 
too late to start because although he looks it, he's no spring chicken. Well, I think that's the message that you say right there is you're never too old to start again or you're never too far gone from doing something to, to change. And I think that's the thing that we all need to realise, especially uh, me as a former rugby player, you know, obviously play at the highest level. When you finish sport, you think that's it. You think, man, well, who am I? What do I do? And so to be able to put that thought process into starting a new career, it allows me to sort of say, well, if I can do it, so can you. I don't have any degrees. I don't have anything, but I do have a, a sense of you know discipline and this whole thing that you bring into rugby. I use that to succeed. And I think if I can do it, so can so many others that come through. And Brooke, to throw to you, did you ever get tapped on the shoulder whilst at school and say, hey, you know what, Brooke, you look like the type of lass that would really love to get electric shocks and be a sparky. <laughs> no, when I, I was in high school, I went to an all-girls school. Um, and so, like, my pathways were, like, uni or, like, a trash bin. Like, no one ever gave you an option to do something other than university. And university for a lot of people, especially me, um, was just not something that interested me, you know, like pissing up at parties in Dunedin and setting couches on fire just didn't really sound like my thing. So I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just felt really lost. Like as a lot of people my age did, like, you know, I did quite well in high school. I, I was really disciplined and I really enjoyed um, studying and learning and I, I got really great grades. Um, but I just was only offered uni and it sucked. And it was like, why are we asking all of these young people who in my head are all like different animals to climb the same tree? Like there are other things in the world that are going to fulfill people, make them happy, be their passions. We really need to get into schools and offer people a variety of pathways from the get-go. It isn't, isn't this the part and parcel of the whole thing? Like at the moment, you currently live in your mansion, which you built with your bare hands in <laughs> Queenstown, right there on the lakefront, which is great. And I'm really proud of you for doing so. Uh, but doesn't this just make you think that if there were to be more opportunities, particularly for younger people to see that collectively they can get together with other mates in trade and, and get what it is that they want out of life, an active lifestyle, uh, the ability to build their own property on their own property, and, and get it at a reduced rate. Yeah, there's so many incredible examples. When you get into the trades, the amount of uh, opportunities that it provides you for life. I've had friends who have built their own um, houses in Henley's Farm and saved like $300,000 doing it themselves. Like it's a great financial incentive. The trades pay great. You can also be able to use these skills to help your friends and whanau out. Like um, I've done the odd light for dad or the odd plug in the kitchen. And it feels so satisfying to see how proud other people are of you when you gain those skills and you can give back to the people who have helped you along the way. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love my job. The mansion on the lakefront in Queenstown does not exist. <laughs> Yet. Yet, Brock. Yet. <laughs> I am a poor renter like everyone else here. <laughs> Too, do you get this, do you see the same thing as well? I guess now that yeah. you've got uh, I mean you've got anything. You can pull any lever at the moment and get a deck built on your house. You get the whole place rewired, need another bathroom put in, something tiled up. You'd have the students to be able to do that now. Yeah, and it's funny that we always say that because at the end of the end of the end of the uh, getting the scholarship, I always say, look, all I ask is that you come and build me a deck or, or, or refurbish the house. That's all I want. It's not much to ask. No, the reality is, is that uh, what Brooks says is so true, is that um, 
a lot of the people that a lot of the students that I interview, that's exactly what they say. They want to give back. They want to help their families. They want to uh, do something that they want to give back to their parents that have been working so hard for them. And and I think that's one of the great things. Also, exactly what Rook said is that they're not cut out for school. Mm. And so many of the students that are coming to us are saying, look, I've tried everything else. I've tried to do school, but it just doesn't work for me. So at a certain age, they say, look, I'm going to leave school early, but is it possible to step in here and actually... And I'm thinking, that's fantastic, because Mm. if you're the sort of student that is pretty stable and works really hard, you could be qualified by 22. Yeah. (laughs) If they're 16. You could be qualified if you're 25. And that is amazing to be qualified at 25. So these opportunities uh, for these students is just... Unbelievable, and so they're looking forward, but at the same time too, they I suppose what they're looking at as an outcome is very short. Is very short. It's mm. like I just want a job, and I want to start earning money so I can buy a car, yeah. and that's fine. But the reality to that decision is that their future is going to be solid if they actually become qualified. Then they can start to look at business. Then they can start look creating their own their own business. Um, and then before you know it, you know they've got workers, and then they've created their own business for themselves. But then they can live a bit more fruitful lives because this income's coming in that they have created themselves. I never recalled a time, uh, and I was at school for a long time. I was I enjoyed it that much that I did a couple of years twice, uh, and never had anybody turn up and offer up. You know, the trades is an option. It was just one of those things that never happened in the early 2000s. It wasn't a focus. It was all about going to university and getting a degree. Uh, and now I've got friends of mine that uh, uh, the Pollock boys that do Pollock cranes. And they go into Tauranga Boys College, which is my old school, and they ask every single year, Rightio, there is a section of you in this, in this uh, hall right now that loves trucks and loves cranes and loves heavy stuff, and you can be on you know, the best part of a six-figure salary within the next two years. Think about that. Well, your mates are still at uni trying to find out where the cheapest beers are and, and, uh, and drinking on people's decks and lighting those couches on fire, which is all great stuff, don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, you'll probably be in your own house driving a car that you don't owe any money on, and you'll be you know, three, four, five years ahead of, of, of everybody else. Is that something that you're seeing coming through now that people just have partied enough? They kind of want to take things a little bit more seriously. They want to have a better opportunity. They want to create a better life. And the beers go nowhere. They're always going to be there. Yeah, look, we, I, I get them all the time. Um, and not just from the males, but also from the females. You know, a lot of them are, will just want to come and, and, and just be stable in life and do something different. And a lot of them realize that the Māori and let's say what I do, which is the Māori and Pacific Trades Training Scholarship, gives them that opportunity because not only does it afford them to be paid tuition, what they need is support. They just need to be supported to get through even just doing the study. And mm. a lot of people don't realise is that it's not as easy as just turning up. There's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of uh, personal demons that you have to fight because you know if you've been partying all your life, to get up at, uh, to be there at 8.30 in the morning is pretty tough. So we have to actually understand what's going on so that we can support them and actually change our processes and the way that we do things within Unitech to actually allow for them to actually feel a lot more confident coming in. And uh, a lot of them do. They carry on. And I can give you an example of one of the, one of the mums that came in. She, she's got three kids. And she went from being a chef to being a carpenter. Wow. And uh, she had to then work really hard with her husband to try and balance the three kids her coming to course every single day so that she could get this chance to, I think it was, G, is it GPK or something like that? SPK yeah. or something? Yeah, in, in SPQR. Yeah, that's, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. See, this what happens, I don't go there. And I, <laughs> I I'm not very good at ABCs. So she, she ended up coming from there. She says, I just want to change. I, I just feel that the work is so stressful. I'd like to do something for myself. 
she finished, she's now qualified. Oh, well, she's not qualified. She's now gone into an apprenticeship. And now she's only probably about two to three years away from completing it. And that's someone that she's in her 30s, like yeah. uh, mid-30s, which is amazing. So to me, you know, the, the the opportunity to go into trades, it breaks all those barriers of feeling that you're not good enough or you don't. You can do it. And, uh, you know, when you look at what Brooke does, you know, and, and all these others, it shows you that the trades is a fantastic opportunity to succeed, not just for yourself, but also provide for your family. Coming up, we'll talk a bit more about what's being done to get young people into trades and what still needs to be done to keep things moving. Back soon. Welcome back. We're talking about getting young people into trades with the one and only Tut Nuletia, Relationship Manager at the Māori and Pacifica Trades Training Consortium. Have you noticed an uptick in the uh, Māori and Pacifica wahini talk moving into trades? Huge, yeah, a lot more. When I first started back in probably 2017, I could probably count them all on one hand. Um, but now I can probably count them on two hands. <laughs> but hey, it's progress. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, the reality it has, it has. And I think it's it's actually trying to, uh, I suppose, encourage them about about that stigma that, you know, Brooke talked about and you guys talked about that, you know, trades is just for men and it's for this real rough, tumble sort of guy. And, you know, it's very dirty. That's not true at all. It's for people that actually love to work and love to do something with their hands and have a different thought process to moving through life. And, you know, I love seeing them succeed and that's the best part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that more and more of our wahine tō, uh do actually put their hand up and say, look, I can do this. And as long as we cater for that and we actually allow mm. for them to feel confident that they can do this, that they're, I always say one of the boys, but it's not really. It's just one of the team. Yeah. Um, they're coming in. There's a lot more coming in. And the funny thing about it is that the women are succeeding beyond the, beyond the guys. Oh, yeah. So they're getting the top awards. They're getting this, and it's pretty embarrassing for some of the, <laughs> the guys. But there's something about our wahine tour that are really, are really solid. Yeah. And they're just so much more focused, and uh, they bring a real wealth of uh, experience, but also – uh, their, their own personal strengths to the uh, to the to the mahi that we do at uh, Unitech. Well, I think that Brooke, Brooke would be able to attest to that. It's sort of uh, one of those things that, well, as soon as as soon as uh, the ladies or the women get hold of anything, they're just going to do it better than us. Just their attention to detail, their finish, <laughs> their finish quality is much higher. When it comes, I guess, with the, the gender roles in society, you just spoke about it with the the chef uh, that was a, not only a chef but a mother to three children, and then a career change. Very tricky in that position uh, generally, but I guess with the way that things have happened over the last couple of years and the hospitality industry has taken an absolute hiding and not knowing whether or not you are going to have work. But I guess the other thing is that as much as we would love to, and I know that every single fellow that's listening right now would say that we would carry and have children if we could, but we just can't. Uh, is that something that you, that you factored in, Brooke, when you took on this role that, uh, you, know, if, you know, eventually you may want to have a family and that, and that falls solely on your shoulders, your hips and your body? You know what? If men could have babies, that would be absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd fully support them taking one for the team. But yeah, sadly, it's just us. Um, that was something I did absolutely take on board. Um, to have kids is obviously such a such a privilege and such an awesome thing. Um, but with my career in the trades, I had never seen another woman be pregnant or even have a family in construction. So for me, it was like impossible. And it was just something that was so far out of my mind because I just hadn't ever seen it happen. But with a lot of women, especially on social media, which is so cool, you know, I've seen women in Auckland or Melbourne or places that I would have never 
um, naturally ran into these women showing them six months pregnant on site. And I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, what a badass, what a strong girl. Like, you know, it's just fantastic to see how, again, incredible women are at balancing the many hats that they are given. And for people who do have kids or are thinking about having children and entering the trades, go for it. It will be hard, but it will be so worth it. And the really cool thing about the trades is you can kind of pick your own hours, you know, you can work Saturdays, you can start really early in the mornings and finish earlier. Like it's one of those really cool jobs where it's kind of up to you where you want to work and how long you want to work for. Uh, obviously if your company is, um, going to have your back like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic, thing for me I'd give myself another you know 10 to 15 years before I uh, take that endeavor on you know I've got things to do first uh, and I'd like to actually uh, earn some good money and enjoy it before I have to spend it on other people so yeah no matter how long you wait you'll still be broke doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. uh, to, I guess to, I guess to that point if if some uh, if uh, there are some young females listening to this right now going this is the catalyst in which I needed to get myself into trades but uh, the idea of having a family or maybe I have a family already, how some, how easy is it for them to bend this around their schedule knowing that they've got these prior commitments? Is there an opportunity to possibly park it halfway through, to take a break for 18 months or six months or whatever that time is and come back and pick it up? Yeah, so that's a great question because I, I I've got an example for you anyway. So uh, one of the, the Māori and Pacific Trades Training Scholarship students, uh, she was in mechanical engineering, which is obviously welding and all the rest of it. And she went right through, and then we found out she was pregnant, and she went right through, and she was trying to finish the course so she could then obviously have her baby, but it was getting too close to being a bit dangerous for her, and so we had to make a choice. We sat down with her and says, look, you know, if you finish now, there's no problems there, but you might have to come back to finish the other two sort of uh, papers that you got. And so after talking with her and discussing her what her situation is, she said, yeah, I'll do that. So she had the baby, and then she came back another uh, another probably year later, and then she finished her last two uh, papers, and now she's, you know, working in the industry. So, you know, it's possible. I think the best thing is really the support that she has around her that can support her to do that. And we support her too because we help her make those decisions. We help her realize that we will take her back to allow her to finish those. And and, and in every case should be based on its needs and its merits. And uh, she was one of those. So now she's doing great. She's got baby. She's a solo mum. And she's continuing her journey as a, as a tradie. So great. Do you, do, you, uh, do you have that conversation with uh, females on site? Brooke, you know, I guess once again in and around the, the uh, starting a family thing, is it something that factors in, in their minds? Because I guess in most other vocations, there is a fear that if you are to take time out to have a family, that you will miss your spot in that line for promotion for that next role whereas it just doesn't seem to be the way within trade. Yeah, I think for a lot of us actually on site, it's kind of quite confusing because we are really pioneering that part of the industry. You know, like for most people I work with, I'm the first female they've ever worked with. So let alone having someone who's going on maternity leave, like that's going to be a whole new thing for employers that they've never had to experience. But the thing that I'm so excited to see is, you know, amazing people like Tohu's, 
giving that support and um, through a pre-trade kind of atmosphere, you're getting a lot more support. And I'm a huge advocate for doing a pre-trade before you enter the industry. There's um, there's a, a great pre-trade course at places like SIT and Invercargill and Timaru. And from all of the messages I've got online from people who have done those pre-trades, they have nothing but awesome things to say for them. So um, I'd really, really push that. If you're like, where do I start? How do I get into the trades? I think doing something like a pre-trade is, is absolutely fantastic. Well, too, I guess that leads perfectly into if I'm listening to this and I want to get into it, how do I go about getting into it? Yeah, so uh, pre-trades is available at uh, most tertiary uh, polytechnics and uh, it's just a matter of uh, ringing through and, 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 and asking, you know, what do they provide in regards to the training in those in those vocational areas? So for us, obviously, Unitech, uh, I look after the five main uh, courses there in regards to trade. So I look after building Carpentry, I look after mechanical engineering, I look after automotive, I look after plumbing, and then I look after oh, electrical and, and the work that uh, Brooke is in. And so basically, um, those are available for people to, to, to actually apply for one fees free. But for me specifically, if you're Māori Pacific, it could be one hundredth of, of Māori Pacific, you are still eligible for it. And so it's trying to provide that pathway for for our Māori Pacific to, to sort of step up into those areas because if you know most of our Māori Pacific, and I know my family was like that, my dad was a cleaner for 15 years, had he had an opportunity to maybe step up into a into an opportunity like this, he would have done it. But, you know, $7,000 is pretty hard to pay. Yeah. And again, it's a priority thing because, you know, do you pay, you know, for the course or do you spend it on your family or on bills? And this is the, the dichotomy that we're in at the moment. You want to do something, but what is the priority? So I'm just saying that you are the priority. If you want to do this, you are the priority for us. We will make sure that you, uh, if you uh, are eligible, you will actually receive that support. Um, Fees-free is the other one, but that finishes at the end of 2022. So therefore, that may finish for those. And fees-free is for those that have never been into tertiary. And so they can actually put their hand up and say, I've never done tertiary. I'd like to apply for this. You should be eligible because it will come up. But for MPTT, which is Māori and Pacific Trace Training, that'll continue because they see the need for Māori and Pacific to, uh, to, to, to increase uh, and to do well in, in, in using trades as a, as a format for social, you know, obviously econo- economic growth. Yeah. So I look after that. So what I want them to do is make sure that they, they apply to where it's eligible. It's right across New Zealand. But in Auckland, we have a consortia. And so we all work together. And it's, with Māori and Pacific, it's that same process of whanongatanga, that same of unity and working together. Because I believe, and this is what I've done, and most of my life has been about community work. You cannot do something by yourself. And so even if you're the greatest organization, you still can't do it by yourself. It's about working, obviously, collectively. The problem is, is not everyone knows how to work collectively. We hear the word collaborative and all that. Mm. But unless you understand how the system works, you can never really work collaborative because everybody wants to do their own thing. So within Unitech, and I'm just going to talk about Unitech because I only know Unitech, since I've been there, the heart of Unitech is to work with MPTT, which means how do we ensure that the students get the best information before they come in? How do we know that they're listened to in regards to their issues before they come in? What are their greatest needs? The greatest needs for a lot of our people is the young ones coming through, they just have no idea about how to apply for StudyLink. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah. They just see all this stuff. And so I'm thinking, okay, guys, we need to get them to understand that if they can't fill that in, there's someone here that's going to hold their hand and help them fill it in. That's created an opportunity for us. So even though I'm not talking exactly to what you're saying, I'm saying that we're, we are preparing ourselves 
to think as a student does and say, okay, if that's an area that we have to be better at, let's do it. Even the communication. You know, we don't treat them like numbers. They are people. So we have to be student-centric is what we always talk about. So um, that's the major work that we're doing within trade, specifically at Unitech, to make sure every student that comes in, they feel validated, they feel valued, they feel confident to actually ask the question, yeah. which is to ask a dumb question. Yeah. Because we don't know everything, neither do they. So the big thing that I do is I, I have this acronym, which is ASK, A-S-K, and I always tell them, you have to ask, because if you don't ask, you won't have what you need to succeed moving forward. you just got to be confident. So the acronym is ASK means always seek knowledge. Mm. So you're always asking. You're always trying to seek knowledge. Uh, if I am uh, in the bush currently in Ruatuki, listening to this going, oh, that sounds pretty neat, but man, I hate Auckland. Uh, there is no <laughs> way I want to live there. Are there options outside of, of you know, because there is, I guess, I thought that to get into these tertiary educations, you have to be in these big cities, and big city means big expense, and it means mm. distance away from my friends and whanau, and, and, it's, and at that point, it can drop off as well. No. Is there anything that you can do, or is there anything available to those people that want to stay in those areas to upskill those areas to make those areas more economically viable? Yeah, and, 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 and it's a matter of just uh, understanding what educational institution is around you, because you'll find that most of them um, will always have the, the trades opportunity. Some of them you might have to move because you're in a smaller area, but the reality is not too far from home. But if you just check online, you go online and check what's available for trades training, and especially with Māori and Pacific Trades training, because you can go online and actually have a look at what's available for Māori and where they sit in regards to these uh, opportunities. Just basically search it out. Like I said, Always seek knowledge, always ask the question, and uh, you will actually find those opportunities for yourself there. But, yeah, we have a lot of people that do that as well. They want to stay where they are, so we refer them to wherever they live closely to the closest institution. Do you, do you see the, the same, I guess, barriers to entry continually popping up time and time again? And, and do they do they have – because I guess someone will be sitting there going, well, well that's all well and good, you know, I, but I don't have the money to do so. Or I don't have a vehicle or I don't have great grades at school or maybe I made a couple of bad decisions and spent a bit of time inside. Or do you have, it, do you have those things popping up over and over again? And what can you say to those people to appease them or are they just no chance at all? No, everybody has a chance. And I think that's the beauty of Māori and Pacific Trades training is that uh, it's the holistic support that sits around. It's a wraparound service for Māori and Pacific. But also you've got to realise that every institution, educational institution, does have student support services. And so they're, they're there. For me personally, it's student support services are great, but it's better if it's hands-on. They're, they're around. They can touch the flesh and go. And that's what what's MPTT does. It wraps around. And when there's a question, there's someone that they can refer it to. So uh, usually what happens is that with the MPTT scholarship, there is actually funding that they can actually tap into to help them support for things like what you're talking about. Um, there's also funding uh, with the tertiary institution that can also help them with things that you're just talking about. And then obviously most people go to study link for their you know living costs or whatever. But what we try and do is find the best situation for them. So I'm always talking to people. And, and because we work together with the sector, we work together with uh, agencies, funding agencies, um, we actually collaborate with them to try and get that funding to support things like laptops or things that they're struggling with at home. And so we continually are always asking the question. It's not like, well, we can't cover that. See you later. And, and I think that's the beauty of MPTT is that we work so hard to ensure that that that, that opportunity is given to those mm. students and not just, you know, waved away as a policy. Is the government doing enough, do you think? And this is not to make it political. Is, is any government ever done enough? 
to uh, to encourage people into trades and support people into trades. We hear it every single day on the news in and amongst COVID shout-outs uh, that we are just in the middle of a building shortage, that we need uh, somewhere around 300,000 extra people in trades uh, over the coming 12 months to make sure that we can keep up with 150,000 houses that we're going to be short for the supply and demand that we need at the moment. What are they doing or what have they done that you've seen has been beneficial to the industry? What could they do better would be almost an easier question as well. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm going to be really biased. I'm going to say that uh, for me, Modern Pacific Trades Training and Fees Free has been good uh, for, for, for building and, and, and opening up and increasing the number of students coming through that they can actually then be qualified in three years. Because you're right, it's going to be a, it's a long-term game. Um, there's so much uh, opportunities. There's so many jobs. Um, they're asking for them even while our students are still studying. They're going, look, we want more. We want more. So we have career days. We have uh, uh, days for when uh, the employers come in, and they're always asking for so many workers, especially around carpentry. It, they just keep coming. We need 10 uh, apprenticeships. We need this. So the demand is huge. So I think this is the best time to actually start moving into the trades and making sure that people get qualified and, uh, yeah, start a, start an amazing career. But you're right. Um, the government in itself giving these scholarships for me is great. I think um, they need to sort of look at more and more about how do we, how do we uh, support the students themselves. I think it's been, you know, let them pay, let them come, and let them listen to us. But I think the times have changed. Yeah. Hugely changed. With the students I see have changed massively, and so we have to adapt to that. We have to uh, embed new practices on how we actually journey them through. A lot of them aren't as resilient as they used to be back in my day, mate. I used to <laughs> I used to go to work, and you know I'd be at school, and my dad would be getting us to clean uh, down K Road on a on, on a Saturday night to f- the pub up there, and and then I'll go to work the next day, and 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 that's just sort of what it is. So we work so hard on trying to get them work experience before yeah. they actually go into a, into the apprenticeship because you need to see the fruits of someone's potential labour. And if you can't see them, then you're not going to employ them, right? But if you see that they're doing stuff, you think, man, this guy's pretty good. He, he does actually turn up. He does actually do the stuff. And it's only, you're only asking for one or two days a week. And that is enough for them to get the job. And that's what we've been doing, trying to get them into a work experience so they can show their wares and then the employers come back. And I've got good pipelines with DNH Steel, um, for all our, uh, our mechanical engineering. Um, I send all mine there. They love the, the students they get because they've seen how good they are coming from us. Mm. So now there's a pipeline for all our DNH steel uh, students, I mean, for our students in mechanical engineering. And, you know, to me, that's that's amazing. And so be able to support our students. And uh, all the ones I've seen, there's probably about eight of them that have gone through and probably about six of them still there. Um, most of them have all been qualified. So it works. Absolutely. Hey, cheers too. We really appreciate the insights and the MPTT stuff that you're doing. Uh, think, do, Unitech. Yeah. No, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> A massive thanks once again to you, Brooke, uh, and of course to you too for your insights and your time, and of course you for listening. E nohora. is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Trade Jobs NZ. It's hosted by Jay Reeve and Brooke Thompson. Recorded, edited, mixed and mastered by T.I. Hebutler. With production by Matthew McCauley and series management by Jane Yee. If you're ready for a career in the trades, visit tradejobsnz.co.nz. 
Kia ora e te iwi, te aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.